Welcome to Freedom Through Truth, a broadcast outreach of Ministries of Wayne Weaver, bringing the freedom of God through the truth of God's Word. Some of you look at it the same way. Some of us, at times when we seemingly think that Jesus is neglecting us, we cry out to him. I have done it myself. We cry out to him and we ask him, God, I need your help. I need your strength. I need something from you now. And for some reason, Jesus is not in a hurry. And then later on, look, when he comes to the death to look at this cave or this tomb with a dead person in it, they immediately ask him, they said, if you would have been here, he would not have died. So Jesus, you're at fault again. Jesus, it wasn't us. We tried our best. We put, in our terms, we put Band-Aid on him. We put all kinds of potions on him. We doctored him up as much as we could, but he died on us. But if you would have just cared a little bit more, he would not have died. Remember, here we have a man in a prison, and it was affecting the sisters. The sisters were not in this tomb, but they spoke on the outside of this tomb. And they said, Jesus, if you would care maybe a little bit more, if you would have been here a little bit earlier, this would not have happened. It could have been avoided. Jesus saw somebody sleeping. They saw somebody dead. They smelled him, and he already stunk, the Bible says. In this tomb of Lazarus, things really die. They die, and they die, and they deteriorate. When you start blaming Jesus for your problem, for your struggle, for the things that might be difficult for you, if you start blaming Jesus, you're in a very difficult spot. You can never blame him because Jesus is the resurrection from the dead. So it was not a problem for him to be late. It was nothing that he really looked at. Well, the man was dead and he stunk, but you know, I just have to speak to him. He'll come right out of that grave. Jesus knew that. Mary and Martha didn't. So Mary and Martha were so concerned, they thought they lost this man, this good friend. Not only was he our brother, but he was your friend, Jesus. Jesus, you let down your friend. Jesus, the man that you loved, that's the way the announcement was, you did not show up when you should have. Jesus, why did you neglect this man? You know he was a follower of you. You know he did these things. He followed you. He sat at your feet. He even did things and gave things to you. And by the way, Martha and I, are we're pretty close to you, Jesus. Why did you look the other way? Why didn't you come right when you knew this? Don't tell me those thoughts don't go through somebody's mind that have somebody dead laying next to him in this case. But Jesus wanted to speak to a tomb. Jesus wanted to speak to a tomb. All the stones that they piled against the front, whether it's a big one or a small one or many little ones, there was a stone that had to be removed. They put a stone and capped that tomb now he felt certain security about it. Nobody will steal him. And the other thing, he will lay there and deteriorate further. Let me tell you my experience in life. That's all that some people can do is bring stones. You might be in a prison today. You might be in a hopeless place today. You might be in a place where only you know where you're at. And some people, all they want to do is pile stones against your exit. 
Pile stones against your resurrection that is promised in the Bible, and they'll continue to give you negative feedback. It's too bad. You were neglected. It's too bad. It's too bad. You have been. Yes, I see. Jesus should have been there. Jesus just doesn't care a whole lot about you anymore. And you can say that about your friend or your brother, whoever it is. Whoever that put Lazarus into that tomb, or whoever put you into your Lazarus tomb, the Lazarus tomb, people will speak to it. People will talk to it. People will pile stones like Mary and Martha did. Seal the thing up. There's no hope for you. I've literally had people come to me for help that said that so-and-so, somebody that we know, said you are hopeless and there is no hope for you. That has happened quite, quite a lot of times. That's a stone that somebody else piles against your sealed tomb. They want to further seal it and bring no hope to you. What was the first thing that Jesus did when he came to the tomb? He said, uh, where is he, I believe? And they said, roll away the stone. This big obstacle that you piled in front, that your friend told you that there is no hope, that the brother or the sister that misspoke or said something they shouldn't have, that seals you in there, this bias or this unforgiveness that you hold against somebody because they did something or said something wrong, is a seal to the tomb of your own tomb. Don't ever think that you'll come out of there outside Jesus. And it's a mighty deliverance when he speaks. And he looked into that tomb, and it already stunk. Nobody wanted to be close to it, but that's fine. A tomb that you're in today can stink. It can smell like alcohol. It can smell like drugs. It can smell like gossip. It can smell like fornication. It can smell like adultery. You name it, whatever you have in that tomb. But when Jesus looks in, he looks right through that stinking stench and says your name and he said, come forth. And when that happens, you're coming forth. The problem so often is the stone is there and we cannot hear the voice. We just look at the noise and we see that there's a big wall here. I cannot get out. There's a real secret here in hearing the voice of Jesus and knowing that he's speaking your name. He's not speaking somebody else's name today. He's not looking at your neighbor and speaking into their tomb. He's looking at your tomb and he is addressing your name. And if you hear him, you'll come. Now that's the tomb of Lazarus. But notice something. The other tomb I spoke about had weeds. He had weeds around his neck. This one here looks a little bit different. Let me see here. Verse 26, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. There's a problem. He that liveth and believeth in me. Do you live in Jesus? If you live in Jesus, you'll never die. If you believe in Jesus, you will never die. He that liveth in me and believeth in me will never die. That's often the problem. We do not live in Jesus. We remove him as being somebody separate from us. We look back at the one salvation we experience rather than walking in him. It says here, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me, Jesus, shall never die. Believest thou this? Verse 39. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him, that he was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he has yet been dead for four days. Verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, Set not I unto thee that if you would believe, 
you should see the glory of God or the resurrection of God. Verse 34, 30, uh, 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And then he says, I always know that you hear me. But he said it so that they know that he always hears. Look at verse 42. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Verse 43. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come. I hear a lot of people say, go, go, do this, do this, do this. No, no. Jesus' words were, come, come. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When they say, go into the desert, go into the chamber, don't go, he says. But when they say, come, your deliverance is when you hear the voice, come, not go. Try and do this. You go do this. You go do this. You go do this. No, come, says Jesus. When you know that he says, come, then you know you've been hearing Jesus. Why would he say, go, when he can say, come? Come to me. I am the resurrection of the dead. Of the dead. I'm the one that gives life. Notice how he came forth. 44. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot and grave clothes, and his face was bound with his napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Lose him and let him go. Now we notice the condition. This man, Lazarus, came out, but he had a lot of stuff bound on him yet. Why? It was declarations of things that Mary and Martha, whoever the people were, that bound him up yet. They wanted to finish what they knew to make sure that he dies and that he is dead. And they covered him over with a bunch of stuff. I would say in our modern day, all the psychology that we have out in this world today is ways to bind the person more fully that he for sure cannot come out. But even in those conditions, when someone binds up the eyes and he binds up the ears and he binds up the feet with strategies and ideas, even in those conditions that people might have listened to when they hear the voice come, all that stuff will not mean much. It'll just go away and they come out and say, lose him from that stuff that has bound him up. He had a napkin on his face. Jesus said on him, lose him and let him go. I'll conclude it on that tomb. We spoke about two tombs. We spoke about the tomb of Jonah. We spoke about the tomb of Lazarus. Now I have another tomb. This one here I won't spend as much time on perhaps, but it's something to look at. In Mark chapter 5, verse 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the gatherings. And some of us have been right to that city, right where this is at. It's right from the Sea of Galilee, just up over the hill. You can see it if you know where it is over in the Jordanian side. And verse 2, And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. This was a man that was not necessarily in a tomb, but he loved dwelling amongst the tombs. He liked death. He liked the things that somehow brought death to him. He was drawn to those things. Now I see that. I'm going to be quite frank with you. 
I've been able to discern that in people's lives. That there's people that are drawn to this kind of death. There's people that in this world that when they hear that something is not good, they join right away. They are attached to death. There is something that they somehow attach themselves to, and it's a spirit of confusion. They attach themselves to death. And they become more discouraged, and they become more blinded. I've seen this through my, my entire ministry of 30-some years. I have seen, and I don't know what to call that. I've asked different pastors, have you ever run across this? And this is what happens. They say, oh, yeah. And, and even said that every church has some of those that always attach themselves to death. If there is something that is really bad, they're the first ones to make it worse. If there's somebody that is bound up, they're the first ones to sympathize with their prison, not their condition. Do you hear me? Do you sympathize with someone's prison or their condition? Take a good look at yourself. Take a good look at your life. Maybe husband, wife, whoever it is that might be in your life. Do you sympathize more with the prison than you do with the condition? There's a huge difference between this. Jesus, all he did is he told that prison to go away. I mean, take that stone away. Come out of it. He didn't come with his arms around Lazarus and say, oh, you poor soul, I really pity you. Yeah, I see why you're in here. Oh, my, I just, I just really, I, I feel so sad for you. No, he didn't. He saw that the prison is not the problem. The condition is where the problem was. And so he spoke to the condition, and that man came right out. And he lived. Verse 44, the gatherings. Verse 2, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. We hope you've been inspired and changed by today's message. If you wish to listen to today's message or for other audio and video resources from the preaching ministry of Wayne Weaver, please visit ministriesofwayneweaver.com.